Hello and welcome to This Week at the Movies. I'm Matt. And I'm Eric. And this week we're going to transform your week in a flash as we look at two big tent poles of June. Yeah, these things just come to me. I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Uh, we are going to, after uh, I was somewhere in the midst of Alaska at this time last week, we have come back together and I have since watched Transformers Rise of the Beasts. I, I was worried that I would have missed a lot. Um We'll check back on that in a little bit. And then uh, this week's big release, which is The Flash, which kind of marks possibly maybe sort of the end of the Snyderverse, although they seem to hem and haw about all these characters coming back. And I'm going to be honest, I think they did kind of open the door, but we will talk about that one in a minute. First, let's just rip the Band-Aid off and go to Transformers Rise of the Beast, which is the seventh live action Transformers film since 2007. All of them produced by Michael Bay, five of them directed by Michael Bay. This one was not directed by Michael Bay. Some people said it was a massive improvement. Was it for you, Eric? You know what? It was. Uh, but I <laughs> I quit after the second Transformers movie and saw the third one at home. Uh, the third one would have been in the year 20... 2011, I believe. 11. Yeah, so that would be We haven't had ago. one since um, Bumblebee came out the exact same time as Aquaman because they came out like within a week of each other at the end of December. And I remember seeing them back to back because I had no expectations for either. Um, yeah, I actually kind so... of like Bumblebee, even though I thought we did not need another Transformers film. Honestly, Bumblebee, I think, is the best Transformers movie, even over this one. I I still don't think it's the greatest movie of all time. I don't think it's I, it, I I'm not moved a lot by the stories, but there was something about trying to catch up with the series and going right from Bumblebee to Transformers: Rise of the Beast because I know that's a direct continuation of this. Yeah, to trying to go back and fill in the gaps with Transformers: Age of Extinction, and when you contrast the characters feeling like humans versus feeling like stock weirdo game pieces. I, it, I was unable to watch the whole movie. I, I just, there was something a little bit more earnest and heartfelt, even though it's a, you know, Transformers movie about Bumblebee that re I really, really appreciated. And Rise of the Beast sort of continues that. There's, you know, a lot of people talk about there's bloodthirsty Optimus Prime in these movies, and that continues here for sure. And then you have you have this sort of transition where they're trying to allow the humans, for a lot of reasons, to mesh into becoming uh, more of a one-to-one -one force with the Transformers. You know, that they can stand toe-to-toe -to -toe against one of them. And I... I, I, I just do not know what to make of the future they're trying to establish with that. But this movie, this story that there's a key and it's split in two and they have to find the two halves of the key and the beasts are saving half of the keys of the human that gets invested in trying to save the world for some reason, um, decides to go get it. And, you know, the characters are are just performed well enough that I buy into what's going on. I enjoy the special effects. They aren't a, a pardon my language, but well, I'll just say a, a cluster of noise. Um, 
everything was clear. Everything felt great. Sound design worked well. The music was great. I even liked the the needle drops. Uh, the little little too on the nose '90s, but you know, I still liked it. But uh, I enjoyed Pete Davidson. I was worried that this was gonna be a dumpster fire for you uh, with his oh, performance. There isn't a uh, single film that exists that he can't make worse. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I bought into the ride and I enjoyed the ride. And then they let the tease for one of the most meh possible reveals to try and get you excited for the future. Of something. Hasbro hasn't given up on trying to make money off their toys. And even though <sighs> a at least the Transformers has a franchise. I wouldn't even call G.I. Joe a franchise. It's three completely disconnected, disinteresting films. And it looks three? like... Three? I think there's only two, right? There's oh, Snake two, Eyes. There's two G.I. Joe plus Snake Eyes. Yeah, that's right. Forgot that exists. Haven't watched it. I mean, they were so disinterested when they made the second G.I. Joe, they just killed Channing Tatum right out of the box. They're like, yep. even though Duke... If you know anything about G.I. Joe's, is like the most important character. He's, he is Joe. The yeah, G.I. Joe. He's the man. Even though the more you learn about the military, the less it makes sense that the highest ranking officer they have is a master sergeant. Well, you know. He's the common man. Um, but no, that that tra- when I saw that G.I. Joe card flip over, I was like, Lord help us all. Um I think the hard thing, we saw two things in this movie, which is technically a prequel to the first Transformers from 2007 and all that came after that don't make a whole lot of sense. First would be um, Pete Davidson's uh, character, who seemed to be really uh, kind of taking on the role of Bumblebee in terms of importance here. But we haven't seen him in any of the other movies. The ending of this makes it, uh, seem like he's alive. I wish I could. Mirage. And I don't remember seeing Mirage. Either that or Mirage was played by something completely different in the first one. I can't totally remember. Because there he's, was like yeah, a he's not in, there. in the first one. Oh, okay. Well, then he's in there. <laughs> well, that's... So I wonder that. But the whole thing uh, near the end, and you know what? If you haven't seen the movie, I'm sorry. This might be giving some stuff away. But where the human can just take on all the transformer parts and become a transformer again continuity wise there are seven of these films one of them took place before but five of them were supposed to have taken place afterward after and this has never once come up they didn't think that would help Sam Witwicky at all while he's trying to run around screaming, no, 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 no. Well, those are the kind of things that if you're going to do a prequel that really will kind of stand out if, I mean, they're probably thinking it's Transformers. No one's thinking about it too hard. And maybe I shouldn't be thinking about it too yeah, hard. Yeah, time to stop doing that. Um, I... I'm a Michael Bay fan, so I'm going to say I actually enjoyed the first Transformers, which I yeah. thought was a terrible idea, but uh, ended up being fun. But not all of them have been great, and I just am kind of burned out on the whole idea. I think I mentioned this before, too, like the the Maximals. We get them introduced here. They seem like kind of an important and uh, powerful group. There is no Mirage. I was wrong. It's Ratchet. 
that's the Porsche in the first one. I had to go look it up. These, other than Optimus Prime, it's really hard to keep track of any of these Transformers. And Bumblebee. Well, and Bumblebee. Bumblebee's yeah. the man. But see, in Bumblebee, he's pretty much the only one that's in there, and Optimus arrives later. I gathered in this one, like, I understand what they're saying, like Optimus Rage or whatever, but this, the one thing that did make sense from a continuity standpoint is this is earlier in his time on Earth before he's oh, yeah. tried to, you know, before he's had all these experiences with humanity, and it's through the the philosophy of the maximals and the way that they've worked with humanity that he starts and his relationship with Anthony Ramos character here that he changes his outlook, which then would sort of make sense when you pick up with regular transformers kind of all the way through trans the five Michael Bay movies, he has a pretty similar outlook. So I, I, that part didn't bother me as much because again, time continuity wise, you're supposed to be going back in time but i think that's a little bit of the hard this one falls between bumblebees and transformers 2007 yeah you know you get introduced Which... transformer characters that disappear i think it's it continues to be hard that you know you have human major human connections that are so important that just come and go that's probably the part that makes the franchise a little bit more difficult because unless you're completely wedded to optimus prime and bumblebee you know, your human characters, at least in the original, what I'm going to call trilogy from Michael Bay, you had, um, you know, consistent Sam, you know, Witwicky and his parents. And you had Captain Lennox, who becomes Major Lennox, who becomes Colonel Lennox, who then I think got demoted back to Major Lennox when he appears in, in the fifth one. But you had some of the same kind of characters and you could invest in them. It was fine for me. I gave it like a mild thumbs up. Uh, in terms of Transformers films, we'll talk about that in a minute. I have it like, yeah, I, I mean, it's not real high for me. It's, you know, it's like a 60%. I, it was better than I thought it was going to be because when they, honestly, when they told me we were having another Transformers film. It's under two hours, man. That is. It's that is... not though. The time jumped. Remember when we talked about two weeks ago? It was showing one an hour and fifty seven. Now the final runtime is two hours and seven minutes. So okay, then maybe that's neutral. maybe that was adding the uh, credits. Uh, take it or leave it. And then you know they had their mid credits sequence. Yeah. But they just they don't do enough to make you care about these human characters. And honestly, are they if? it almost seems like they're going to try to do some kind of hybrid transformer GI Joe mashup. See, that's, that's the thing. <laughs> or are they the... just going to try to, well, I was trying to figure out what character I thought Anthony Ramos would be in GI Joe. Through the first three movies, there is always an arc of military characters in the field working alongside the Autobots. Yeah. I don't understand how a G.I. Joe and Transformers combined movie is going to feel any different than this. Well, yeah. Except for they're fighting Cobra. <laughs> okay, you know what? That That is a little more interesting. You know, that there's a... a I mean, you might root it more element. to the humans. Yeah, they've. I mean, they've tried that with some of the... Um, Transformers. I'm trying to think which one it is. I think it's the third Transformers where Patrick Dempsey is really the yeah, like yeah. the Decepticon henchman. 
Mm. So it's supposed to be people fighting people, but I think I just think it's that. hilarious how many Transformers movies end up with the but our hands are too big, so we need little people thing. Like, can we get a Transformers movie where the Transformers have a conflict and they they are the team who are the protagonists who Especially deal with since them? RC, the way they did her motorcycle character didn't really look like she was that much bigger than Yeah, like just <laughs> RC, you turn into a motorbike and go down the narrow tunnel and you be the one to do the thing. Like, so, um, where would you rank this among the Transformers? Films? Oh, well, it would... So it would go Bumblebee, Transformers 1, this, then... 3, then 2... And I haven't seen four and five to put them on the list, but I've seen from what I've seen of four, it is not wowing me. So, no, so I have original Transformers 2007, it was still my favorite. I it worked for me, I thought it was fun, it had a good blend of humor, and they managed to make it all work ish. Mm -hmm. Um, and and then Bumblebee is number two, which was a pleasant surprise. I'd be the same as you, I'd have this one number three, and then I have um. I can't remember their ponderous titles, but Transformers 2. I think it's Revenge, Revenge of, the of the Fallen, Fallen and then yeah. Dark, of the Moon. Dark of the Moon. And then they just they get progressively worse. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And they get progressively longer. The Transformers 4 Age of Extinction is almost three hours long and just has a ponderous lack of plot and human character just, development. Okay, yeah. Like there's and with with Dark of the Moon. Where I got completely thrown off this franchise. There's a sequence where a robot worm is eating a, uh, a, a skyscraper. That, I swear, is at least five to eight minutes of screen time of characters sliding through glass walls while Optimus is stuck in some cords and can't save them. Only to end with Optimus just getting free of the cords and saving them. No character has a scratch on them. After falling through several stories of glass. And I was just like, I just spent eight minutes and and as literally as I can possibly state it, nothing just happened. I'm going to say the biggest crime of that film is the fact that they had Leonard Nimoy um, as a voice and just left a brown streak all over their mattress also this is the rare franchise where you can say that the absence of megan fox made it worse Mm. because for whatever reason megan fox and shia labeouf worked in the first two movies and when they when megan fox and michael bay weren't getting along and they couldn't get her in the third one and they just tried to pivot and it doesn't work nothing about it really works and i mean i i like to pretend leonard nimoy wasn't even in it he deserves better uh well speaking of classic uh, actors maybe returning to classic characters we will transition oh, yeah. to the flash which had me excited if for nothing else then we get the best batman michael keaton um one of a few different Batman in this movie. Somebody else said we could have actually titled this Batman through the multiverse, which is yeah, 
kind of fair. Uh, but we get the movie The Flash. It was originally supposed to be released in 2018, just after Justice League, which makes the opening sequence, which is pretty much all about him being in the Justice League, make a little bit more sense. Um, you have Batfleck, and then you have Wonder Wonder Woman, probably, maybe, possibly the last time, although Gal Gadot seems content to have reduced her Wonder Woman playing to just making cameos in every single DC movie that she can find. Yeah, she shows up, she saves someone, she smiles. That was actually one of the funniest sequences, though, when the Lasso of Truth ends up on Bruce and then Mm. on Ezra Miller's Flash. Yeah. He was right. You can't come back from that. Um, But then... Flash, in it, if you've followed Flash TV show, which is yet another version of the Flash or Flash comics, you know uh, he has a tendency to try to go back in time because he can uh, to fix things, and it never works out well for him. And he goes back in time, ends up getting booted out in a timeline that is not only different from his own, uh, but where he also exists as an 18-year-old, uh, giving Ezra Miller the chance to play two different versions of Barry Allen, which... I was pretty impressed by um, it's yeah. a world without metahumans, but where General Zod still arrives just as he did in uh, the 2013 Man of Steel to try to take over the world. So uh, Barry has to get some help from Bruce Wayne, who turns out to look an awful lot like a semi-retired Michael Keaton and uh, a new hero, which turns out to be Kara Zor-El, otherwise known as Supergirl. I actually, the humor here worked. Andy Machete, who has previously only done horror movies, he did, um, I can't remember, Mama, and then he did the two It movies, uh, the two uh, modern It movies, which on a rainy day, I still steer clear of the gutters, just in case. Mm-hmm. I'm not ending up like that little kid getting eaten. Um, you know, they there were some darker elements here, but mostly this is, you know, this is about Ezra Miller, and I have been on the fence in the past uh, about whether I liked that selection for The Flash, but I thought Miller delivered a pretty good performance here. I'm going to give this one thumbs up. I enjoyed it for what it is. It probably is... I'm going to say this one more more so than if we ever see Aquaman 2 is going to be the swan song for the kind of Snyder verse because you saw a lot of the different characters. They talked about Justice League. They tied back to the original one of those films. They keep saying, you know, Ben Affleck may return as Batman. Gal Gadot may not be done playing Wonder Woman. Ezra Miller could be back as the Flash. I, I'll be honest. I think this is probably the last time we see any of these folks in these characters. But if it is, it was a decent way to go out, which is not something you can consistently say about theatrical cuts of Snyderverse universe films. I want to talk about spoilers so bad. Oh, I think we go ahead. It's so if you have I'm, not seen not the Flash, specific. Then, then you I, may want to uh, just put this on pause until you get to see the Flash. Well, I just I just have one point about the ending to make that I think makes this really work, and it's not, I'm not going to spoil like the details, the nitty gritty of what you know, <clears throat> but the fact that this Flash ends dumped into a world that's not his own perfect and and just it it just he's just gone 
you know, and this it, when this started, it doesn't feel like the tone of the Snyderverse, you know, but we know it is the Snyderverse one, because we know. One question for you about that, though. Yeah. The basic ending of the film would lead you to believe that. But did you watch the post credit sequence? No. I was. Oh, the, yeah. With Aquaman. With, yeah. With Momoa. Yeah. So I know. Then I was confused. I know, but, what are you telling but, me about where he is? So. So, okay, but also Aquaman can look the same in somebody else's universe as well. Barry Allen looked the same even though he was in Michael Keaton's universe. You know, they could very easily have been Grant Gustin. Probably would have saved him a lot of headaches in shooting two different roles. Um, So I don't, I like, the fact that they have that huge cameoed element at the end there and the fact that the whole movie is about the consequences of changing something and he did change something on his way back to his universe and so he by the movie's logic shouldn't be in his original universe and it's it's more like this character saying goodbye to this character it's like you're gone and there's something really write about that for the story they told now here's the thing ezra miller they piss me off they infuriate me but they know how to act and there's no getting around that the nuances of playing an 18 year old versus a 20 something would not normally be so obvious and like there but he he knows how uh, i mean the energy the the sort of characteristics of holding himself and talking in different ways like barry is three different characters in this movie and Ezra Miller played all three of those characters to a T so what worked for me is the flash movie in the flash okay what also worked for me is the michael keaton's batman movie in the flash i loved having the score pumped out the 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 blur it did feel like playing with cgi action figures it did but it just the having it just there was just enough either in the sound design or just enough inserts of him really being there in the suit, Michael Keaton, instead of using a lot of digital trickery or things like that. There was just so much sort of respect paid to that actor being in that role and just enough architecture in the world they live in for it to be believably his world modernized with all like the grit and grime cleaned up because gotham city is now one of the cleanest places in the safest cities yeah like it did feel like like a little bit of nice closure since you know michael keaton has talked about before a little being a little bum they couldn't work it out and he couldn't finish his batman trilogy and that was part of what led him to do birdman uh, but being able to come back here and put like a, a really nice coda on it and a couple yes. of classic lines and the just his mannerisms and everything, it was a lot of fun to see him back. They do something that they do with Bruce Wayne 
a lot, but it's something Michael Keaton never wanted to do, which is speak to his origin as Batman and what drives him as a character. And they let him be that role for Barry Allen and then play off of that. And I just, I really hope that even though it's in 2023 and it's a big blockbuster spectacle, he feels there was some reward in getting to play the parts of the character from way back when. But um, I, yeah, so I give this one a thumb up. Everything was still gummy. Everything was still like weird. And it's, it's just, it's just so delightfully weird. I feel like this is the kind of creepy, weird, off-putting kind of multiverse movie that Doctor Strange 2 was going for. Um, everything definitely, it feels kind of creepy to be in a world where everyone's talking about like Eric Stoltz was Marty McFly and this that made per- me laugh so much. Yeah. Or the, is- the, the, the couple of phrases that he had that just didn't make any sense to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the, um, just the, the weirdness of being with another him that didn't work. And that that concept of of different Bruce Waynes and getting to do that little thing that they always do in movies, whether they're talking about wormholes or whether they're talking about time travel, where someone just tweaks a little bit. So, well, now it, it went from here and then back to the future too. We learned to branch off. Well, now we learn that time doesn't work like that, that it's sticks. And if you change the future, you change the past and all this stuff. It's, it actually speaks to when they were when they back all the way back when they were writing drafts of this script that included cyborg like from before like it was even set for 2018 uh Ezra Miller was talking about studying the character and being so interested in the kind of things they were doing with time travel and this was all around the hype of the early years of Rick and Morty and talking about what you can do with it and I really think that without like pulling from things like Rick and Morty, they explored a very unique look at how to handle time travel and things like that. Um, it, yeah, it's just this this well-contained movie that that he is at the center of, that Batman is like the cake of all around. And yeah, it just it, it was just fun. Plus, now hasn't Nicolas Cage achieved his ultimate was it actually him do you think i don't know i mean i like how they gave uh credit uh, screen credit to christopher reeve if you look it's now yeah. this imdb i mean there are people who feel all kinds of different ways about that and whatnot but you know I, i'm gonna i'm gonna be a little bit of a geek here and nitpick one thing uh nicholas cage's superman isn't supposed to fly if you've ever seen the weird rant about superman lives from kevin smith where he broke down what the story was and what the guy was looking for the giant spider is a huge nod to that but the flying and i think the laser eyes are both things that were supposed to be like we don't want him to be recognizable as like typical superman i don't know maybe it changed after that meeting they got all the way through costume testing that was definitely his costume and his setup so yeah. well it's definitely and it was in a lot of ways an homage to tim burton because he gave us michael keaton's batman and yep. he would have given us uh nicholas cage's superman so mm-hmm. it was the end of the snyderverse and of the uh 
the Burton verse, I guess, uh, as well. Yeah. Um, I have to be honest, though, when he gets that call at the end, I literally thought because they talked about this being kind of a world setter, I knew that that was a big part of that the multiverse thing was going to allow them to kind of wipe one clean. I thought we were going to see Pattinson. Oh, yeah. I thought from the voice. Too, I was actually floored by who it was, which I won't say. Yeah, but I was like, I thought that's what we were gonna get as a reset. Um, but it'll be interesting. So, like I said, this probably brings uh, a close for the most part to the Zack Snyder phase of DC. You know, they've already. Uh, Peter Safran and James Gunn have already taken over uh, creatively. So the the last two questions, first for you, how uh, how do you how will you remember the I'm going to say the Snyderverse, which basically covers this generation of films, even films he didn't directly do, like Wonder Woman or The Flash or Suicide yeah. Squad. See, that's the thing. I'm always going to remember it as a trilogy. And then I'm going to remember those movies as attachments to that trilogy. It is Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, the Ultimate Edition, Zack Snyder's Justice League. And it, that that in itself is such a well-contained journey or like origin story for a League of Heroes that I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need anything else. Everything else is just icing. And... That I'm so glad that there are enjoyable movies, that there is Wonder Woman, that there is uh, The Flash. Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah, I'm glad of some movies. I mean, the Zack Snyder version of the Justice League is good, and you're right, the ultimate edition of Batman v Superman, where you actually have all the plot points put back in, uh, is actually a good movie. Man of Steel... There are parts of that movie I think are brilliant, and there are parts of that movie that piss me off. Yeah, and I always, I always battle my playing a teenager. He he could get <laughs> acting lessons from Ezra Miller. Like but through like two thirds of that movie, I thought it was trending toward being a masterpiece, and then like forty five minutes of him and Michael Shannon punching each other through buildings sort of <laughs> cooled my jets a little bit. You I know, wasn't incredibly taken with zod which is why having him continuously come back just freaking it's really cool listening to him in interviews talk about that i've kind of cut you know for a set of movies that were fairly well known (laughs) i'm gonna say they gave us one of the best batman um yeah i actually think i'd have batfleck i i think it my two favorite batman actors were in this movie Mm. um i've always you know it's probably because i'm a child of the 80s but michael keaton was and always will be it's not that i don't i love the christian bale christopher nolan movies as i like kilmer a lot that would be my last choice that's your last one that's under clooney yes Mm. that is i think that is the worst of the films too by far, right. I Batman from, under Bat- Batman and Robin. Batman Forever is a mistake from start to finish. Wow! See, I know people who are are have very 
interesting thoughts about the originality in Batman and Robin and about how it does more with the relationship I don't, with yeah. Alfred than any I other. I don't think Batman and Robin is incredible by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm gonna, but I don't hate. think George Clooney is that bad in the part. And I think that that movie doesn't try to take itself too seriously. My problem with Batman Forever is none of it makes any sense. And I think it's trying to be serious in the way that the two before it were serious with performances that are unhinged jim carrey can be completely delightful as an unhinged character or they can have zero control and it's just jim carrey doing his shtick and it's like tommy lee jones went to the jim carrey school of acting in that film and that's probably my least favorite incarnation of two-face And I think Val Kilmer's uncomfortable. If you've watched Val Kilmer's documentary, Val, he talks about not that not being an experience that he thought he was going to have and maybe something that isn't his favorite. And yeah, one of the worst Nicole Kidman performances of all time. <laughs> okay. I Dang. nothing about there's just I really intensely dislike that film yeah that's fair um but oh that being said my mini soapbox for man of steel the world engine does most of the damage the buildings that i think that superman and zod knock over are negligible i've never had a problem with the third act of that movie and i don't understand people hot take oh it's not about the destruction there it just it feels like it lasts forever oh it does it takes way too long and but and it's, i just want to i guess i'm gonna say it's not an interesting fight eh, i mean in context of after having had nothing since the 90s except superman returns where he never throws a punch i get why people wanted that but those last two yeah. uh christopher reeve superman movies were not good either yeah, so you're really looking back to like the 80s or earlier, you know. Well, for, and if we're yeah. being honest, they shot um, Richard Donner shot most of Superman 2 in the 70s. It just took a while because yeah. they fought for control and took it away from him. And uh, the Donner cut of that film is actually a better film. Mm. Yeah, I've heard. I mean, they're both fine, but yeah, Superman. I like it. They there were a lot of that movie that totally worked for me. I loved the kevin costner um sequences with henry cavill and the way they play out that that story i liked the idea of him being lost and not a the traditional kind of like depiction of him there's actually a superman film that i like that no one likes which is superman returns i enjoy it i don't love it but it exists yeah this history well so my last question for you is shortly after all this came out we got the revelation that the director of the flash andy machete is been tapped to direct batman the brave and the bold we had wondered whether gunn was going to take that himself he's taking the superman one but andy machete taking this and having seen him work with batman in this film and kind of what he must enjoy about the character gives me a little bit of hope. Uh, Yeah. His idea of the character is right. And the visuals are 
telegraphed by him. He's been saying over and over again, this is the Flash's point of view of a universe. And his other movies, Mama and It Chapters 1 and 2, do not look like the Flash. So I have extremely high hopes for Batman the Brave and the Bold from him. The heart that he puts into, the work that he does with child actors as far as Damian Wayne, like he his movies always feel big and theatrical and for him to take on like gotham and to do all this like it is the most exciting choice i'm so much well, more interested isn't in that. this supposed to be kind of an older batman who's mentoring he's, somebody too yeah Which, like well he's, it's damian wayne's robin mm -hmm. so it's his biological son as robin which is a take we have never seen on the screen with batman before so, I'm. I how do you feel about it? Because I'm over the moon. Like, I can't... yeah, we're probably on the same page. I made me more excited, especially having seen this movie, and I, you know, I think the care that was taken. One of the, I know one of the arguments um, to go back to Man of Steel uh, is that Zack Snyder had previously talked about being really interested in wanting to do a Batman film and not liking the character of superman that much and i think what we saw in some of the theatrical cuts of his films was the reason i lift up batman versus superman the ultimate cut is because the plot that's removed from it is the superman story that makes it work yeah uh, and so it seemed to me from seeing this flash movie that andy muschetti actually gets batman. likes batman gets batman is excited to be working on Batman. So that does make me interested to see where we're going to go here. Um, I'm you so know. excited. And the multiverse thing, I think, did open up the idea. I, you know, they were talking about Flash as strategically being at a set point where they could allow all these kind of different DC projects to go because we're still getting a Batman 2 with and Pattinson three. that's going to be yeah. uh, – Three, maybe that well, is the, the trilogy completely... was at the same time, so they better finish it. Yeah, we'll see. Another another 12 hours of him as Batman, dude. I don't Those care if you get, get Joker Fualatra or whatever. I actually don't think they should. Oh, I Fuala do you, you sure. think you I think I didn't enjoy uh batman forever let's not talk about the joker oh okay <laughs> but uh yeah i don't care if we get that either i don't really uh, i forgot they were making that honestly i try to block it out on a daily basis <laughs> um, i thought you meant it seems like they were talking about and trying to that they may not use the joker as the villain in batman 2 which i actually think is fine Oh, I would love for them not to. I want to see. I know I because see we've seen Mr. Freeze, but I think they're going the two face route. Well, and what they did with the Riddler worked really well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but we we haven't. I like the what they did with the Dark Knight, but the Dark Knight isn't really an exploration of kind of two face. So the. Right. The only it, he happens, but it's not he happens, but it's kind of you know, and it's truncated, so we could definitely use a more uh grounded version of and I, again. I'm just so excited with what they did with the with the Batman 
for the second movie to be so much more about Bruce Wayne needing to learn how he can be appreciated as a hero with a face. That in his relationship with um what's two faces real name? This is blanking on me. Harvey Dent. Harvey Dent. Uh, that relationship being explored, that's something they did with the Telltale game for Batman. And it is so rich, that story in doing that. If they can do something even close to that, I feel like, you know, the, the Batman, Bruce Wayne doesn't have any friends. He has acquaintances. But the closest thing he really ever has to a friend other than Alfred is Harvey Dent. And it's so interesting to see different people take that relationship in different directions. So well, we won't probably see the flash again, but we know we're going to see Batman. Yeah. We're going to see all the Batman again. And no one's more excited about that than my wife who just says, if there's not a, no, no I'm just kidding. She, <laughs> every time I mention that there's another Batman film, I see the eye roll, but I Batman has always been my favorite superhero, so I'm here to see. I'm excited to see what Andy can do with the Brave and the Bold. Um, you know, I'm I'm getting as we are wrapping up one iteration of DC and moving toward another. I am getting a little more excited to see what what we're gonna see. Um, yeah, and hopefully, hopefully it'll be uh, good, and then it'll just keep. Keep uh, so. America in line to see 65 superhero films made a year, 75 from Marvel and 14 from DC. <laughs> no, James Gunn recently came out saying, yes, there are too many superhero movies. Like he's talking about the his movies are going to try and toe a line where they're not all just a good guy beats a bad guy with super strength. You know, it's like... Well, that is probably why he went for things like Swamp Thing or things that you wouldn't think mm -hmm. of and yeah. you are right he has always been interested in like creature features but i don't know this uh i'm surprised he's not directing swamp thing but i I digress happy father's day to people yeah so you can head out there and check out uh the flash and if you must transformers rise of the beasts is also there yeah uh, next week we will be uh taking a trip down to asteroid city um, probably yeah. a little bit of a different feel than either of these two films. I would say 100% less explosions. Probably 100 and at least less explosions. I mean, Until, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe there'll be one. We literally saw a multiverse explode, so that's infinite explosions. So if maybe there's we'll one, watch. whatever. We'll also see 100% more Tom Hanks. Yeah. Yeah. Until then, hope you have fun at the movies.